Culture Map presents What's Eric Eating? Brought to you by Visit Houston. Become a Houston insider today from the Gal Media Studios in Houston, Texas. Here's Culture Map food editor Eric Sandler. Welcome to What's Eric Eating? Culture Map's weekly look at all things Houston bars and restaurants. I'm your host, Culture Map food editor Eric Sandler. I have Youssef Nafa from Bella Restaurants Group coming up in a little bit. Before I introduce my co-host this week, I should tell you that this segment is brought to you by Houston Insider by Visit Houston. Whether you love Houston or want to get to know the city better, this free program is right for you. Go to visithouston.com slash insider to learn more. I'm joined by my co-host this week. He is a frequent traveler and a passionate advocate for the Houston food scene. Matt Harris, welcome back to the show. How are you? Doing pretty well, sir. Glad to be here. I am glad you're here. We have much to discuss. Let us dive right into the news of the week. Topic number one, 14 Houston chefs, restaurants, bars, etc. are James Beard Award semifinalists. This is a very strong showing for the city that includes a number of national categories, including Outstanding Chef for Justin Yu, Outstanding Restaurateur for Tracy Vaught, Outstanding Hospitality for Hugo's, Rising Star Chef for Caitlin Steets of Theodore Rex. Best New Restaurant for both Squabble and Blind Goat. Outstanding Wine Program for Rosie Cannonball and Outstanding Bar Program for Anvil. There are five local nominees in the Best Chef Texas category that's new for this year. They are Anita Jaisinghani of Pondicherry, Don Burrell of Culture, Jason Vaughn of Nancy's Hustle, Strong win of crawfish and noodles, and Manabu Horiuchi, better known as Horisan, of Kata Robata. Matt, I lay that all out for you to say this. Are you surprised by any of these nominations? I I may need a nap before I can digest all this information. Yeah, there will be a quiz after. I'm ready. All right. Uh, no, I think it's great. I mean, you know, there have been some, some structural changes to the James Beard in Houston, uh, I, more so than any other Texas city is in the front. We are leading the way. I think it helps a little bit that there are some Houston fans on the Beard's Restaurant and Chef Awards Committee. Uh, most obviously, Allison Cook, the food critic for the Houston Chronicle. Uh, Bill Addison, who is now the critic for the Los Angeles Times, but said a lot of nice things about Houston when he was the national critic for Eater. Uh, Kat Kinsman is on that committee. Jennifer Cole is on that committee. These are you know veteran food writers who travel frequently and have been coming to Houston for a long time. So they've seen the city evolve. I think that is all to the good. I think that, you know, I think that depth of knowledge is the way that you get um, a best new restaurant nomination for a place like Squabble or a place like the Blind Goat that's in a food hall. You know, Don Burrell obviously is doing very good work at Culture, but, you know, that restaurant maybe hasn't received the national attention. Like this, this is probably its first brush with national celebrity. So, you know, I think it's, I think it's all to the good and it shows that, that we really have the committee's attention. Uh, that said, will you, do you think that any of these national finalists or national semifinalists are likely to move on to be the finalists? Uh, of the 14 total or of the five for, well, so we have, we have two separate topics, right? Like for example, you know, if you look at the other people nominated in the Outstanding Chef category with Justin Yu, there are some very famous chefs, just like there are, too. right, just like there are an Outstanding Restaurateur, just like there are an Outstanding Service, Outstanding Wine Program. So in the national, so I want to I want to come back to Best Chef Texas in just a okay. second. But of the national, do you think, you know, I, I think truly it is an honor to be nominated and I would personally be pretty surprised if any of them move on to become one of just five finalists in their respective categories. 
Uh, I will give my leading candidate for who I think will. I have I have two. Forward. I would be curious to hear yours. Uh, Tracy Vaught would be my top choice to move forward. I think Tracy is is a strong possibility. She's been nominated a couple of times before. I think Squabble, given its pedigree and its quality, has a shot at moving on at Best New Restaurant. And I also feel like Caitlin Steets, as a rising star chef nominee, has a possibility. Oh, and uh, Rosie Cannonball, just because David Keck and June Rodill are so well-respected in the wine world. I think that might be potentially that might that might elevate them, but that's a long shot. It's a first year restaurant, and really, if we're if we're being honest, like Rosie Cannonball has an interesting wine program, but the wine program at March, the Tasty Menu restaurant, will be a step up, and so I think maybe it might make sense to kind of like recognize what they've done, but but like the real award, the real award for that should go to March, like eventually. Yes. So, all right. So then, of the five best chef Texas semifinalists, do you have a prediction about who you think is the most likely to become a finalist? Well, it's interesting. Uh, I That's think why I asked. <laughs> That's the only the the only kind of questions you ask, Daddy, are interesting questions. <laughs> uh, I think if. Horizon gets to the finalist, he has a very good chance of winning. See, I think I, I am I think if I had to pick one, recognizing that they are all outstanding and worthy of moving on. Hundred percent. But third time semifinalist Trong win of Crawfish and Noodles seems to me like the strongest local candidate to advance. Because, you know, three-time semifinalist, it kind of makes sense. Uh, the Beard Awards have talked a lot about how they want to promote diversity and they want to broaden the kinds of restaurants that receive this sort of recognition. So Crawfish and Noodles, it's gotten enough national attention to sort of be in people's consciousness, whether that's on Ugly Delicious or some of these other TV shows. That feels like maybe the right the right one person. Um, and then of the other contenders in the state, the, the 15 other uh, nominees, uh, I think Tootsie Tomerance of Snow's Barbecue in Lexington is kind of a sleeper. If she makes it to the finalists, I would not be surprised to see her win uh, just because Snow's is so well regarded. It is Texas Monthly's number one barbecue joint in the state of Texas. And she is such an iconic personality within the barbecue world. I could see the awards wanting to recognize her specifically. Don't disagree. Well-deserved if that's the case. Uh, to me, the one that stands out uh, locally would be Anita. Uh, her track record, um, I think, is... Strong enough, the fact that she's been nominated, uh, I could see her moving forward. Yeah, and and having been nominated originally for Indica and more recently for Pondicherry, yep. that makes her a strong possibility. Again, um, a woman, an immigrant uh, who makes really delicious food and has been doing it for a really long time, who had a restaurant in New York until very recently, that gives her access to a broader segment mm -hmm. of the media so people might feel more familiar with her cooking. Yes, I think, I think Anita is another, another strong possibility. As much as I, I love uh, both Dawn and Jason as first-time semifinalists, I would be very surprised to see either one of them advance. Right, which isn't any sort of criticism of them as chefs at all. No, I, I mean, truly the way I feel about all of these, the, both the national and the regional award, is it truly is an honor to be nominated. There are any number of very well-regarded local chefs who could have been nominated for this award. I mean, certainly I was surprised to see that Kaiser Lishkari, who was a semifinalist last year, 
for his work at Himalaya did not make the long list again this year. But then, you know, if you look at the list, like who would you take off? And there really isn't anyone. Right. It's, I mean, the thing that stood out to me is this is a good representation of where we are in the dining landscape. Um, And I felt that the nominations fit pretty well with, with what's going on in Houston right now. Yeah, I agree with you. It feels like the right mix of places from Houston. Yep. So that, uh, and it is, a, you know, it's, it's great to, again, Houston leads all other cities uh, in Texas. So, uh, yeah. yeah it's, and, and Dallas ahead of Austin in total nominations. I thought that was interesting. Yes. Uh, some, and some really strong, a strong mix of, of chefs that have um, some sort of institutions uh, and some new places. So it's, it's very interesting being the first year of, of having Texas as its own category. Uh, it's, it's quite interesting. I think Misty Norris out of Dallas is, is one to watch. Yeah. Petra and the beast is about as acclaimed a restaurant as exists in Texas right now. Yeah. Nationally, they've been right. Nationally, they've gotten a lot of attention. Very, very well. So yeah, we'll see. Look forward to it. It's yeah. Exciting. Uh, finalists announced at the end of this month, I believe on March 25th. So we will obviously revisit this topic, uh, in early April. I'll be glad to come back. (laughs) I'll have you. All right. Topic number two, speaking of Jason Vaughn and Nancy's hustle, he, along with his business partners, beverage experts, Sean Jensen and pastry chef, Julia Doran announced that they are opening a new restaurant called tiny champions. The name refers to natural fermentation. The men will, will include pizza made with naturally leavened dough and, quote, funky fermented vegetable dishes. Uh, it will also open in Edo roughly three blocks from Nancy's Hustle. Matt, I knew that the Nancy's Hustle folks were working on another restaurant. I did not know that it was going to be a pizzeria. How excited are you for pizza from nancy's hustle i'm gonna say pretty excited yeah i got this email and i had a minor holy shit moment of that's maybe the best like of all of the things that they could have opened pizzeria is among the things i would be most excited about yeah, and, and to clarify, pretty excited for me is way up there on yeah, the scale not, of excited. Right. You're not you're never get too high or too low. No, 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 no. But uh, happy dance excited. Yeah. How's that? Yeah. We don't know a lot about this other than its location, which will be on McKinney Street. Uh we know it'll open sometime in the uh in the fall. But so so there's not there's not terribly much to say about it at this point. Uh, but just to acknowledge that uh, Nancy's Hustle has been a smash hit since it opened. It is uh, the reigning Culture Map Tastemaker Awards Restaurant of the Year. It is the number two restaurant on my list of Houston's top 100. And so whatever that trio wants to do, I am here for. Agreed. And I think also coming off of what was really strong year last year, it's good to sort of add some more uh, momentum for 2020. Yeah, it's about the right time and opening something that will be a little more casual, a little more affordable. Hopefully that means it's a little easier to get into. I mean, Lord knows, you know, you want to book a, you know, a 730 table at Nancy's Hustle on a Friday or Saturday. Uh, you're making that reservation at least a month in advance, I would think. Well, I mean, I would say go early or go late. and Yeah, I mean, they're open till midnight sure. during the week, so there's really nothing wrong with showing up at 1030 on a Wednesday and tucking into uh, you know, that, that cheeseburger and an order of uh, Nancy cakes. But Now I'm hungry. Yeah, now me too. Uh, anything else on this? No, it's it's great. I, I'm yeah. We'll... Me too. <laughs> All right. Topic number three: A new churrascaria is coming to 
Highland Village, excuse me, that's wrong in the outline. Gauchos de Sol from Vintage Park is expanding. They have claimed the former up space has a beautiful third floor view. I mean, stop me if if you disagree, but I, I feel like there's a lot of churrascarias in this town. Um, generally, there's a lot of steakhouses, even more broadly, in and around the Galleria, which is, I would roughly include Highland Village in that general, you know, vicinity. Um, I, I don't know. Do you, are you excited? I mean, like what would it, what would it take for a, a churrascaria to grab your attention in 2020? To be honest, I don't really frequent churrascarias. I used to love them like 10 years ago, birthdays, big group events. Nothing I loved more than just sitting down and getting, you know, really fat and really full on slice after slice of picanha and those little lamb chops and the top sirloin and all that stuff. Yeah. It's not, it's not the idea. (laughs) I can romanticize about the idea. Uh, Yeah. It it just, I I don't know. It's, it's just never been something that really grabbed me. Right. Oh, we should say though, that, that restaurants like it, uh, whether that's Shamagaucha or Fogo de Chao or whatever, uh, are incredibly popular. Absolutely. And on any given weeknight, weekend, full dining rooms, people flock into that salad bar. They love the all-you-can-eat format. They don't mind paying 50, 60 bucks a person uh, plus drinks plus tip to have that experience. So as a financial proposition, I, I think this is going to be just fine. Uh, I get a little bit nervous about any restaurant that you can't see from the street. They have kind of a, a rough history, uh, but can't argue with the location, right? Right smack in the middle of everything in Highland Village. Uh, I did inquire. Uh, Up was known for its gigantic and very beautiful crystal chandelier. Apparently, that had already been removed from the space uh, before wow. they signed the lease. So, alas. No crystal chandelier for Gauchos de Sol, but but uh, they do serve prime beef. You know, all of their beef is prime, which I think sets them apart from other churrascarias a little bit. Um, they told me they really, they focus on the service aspect. They don't try to rush you out, which I think is really nice. So, you know, we'll see. Yeah, no, I I, I, I fully realize I'm in, in the minority. It, it, uh, it reminds me a little bit of Tastes of Texas. Yeah, there is a, there is little descript. There's a, a few restaurants that have a wider discrepancy between their popular acclaim and how like hardcore food obsessives and professional food writers feel about them than Taste of Texas. Yeah, and it's fine, and and I've been, and it's I, no complaints. I get it, but it's just not. Something yeah, it's just that, not for me. No, no, yeah. I'm I'm totally with you on that. Um, I will certainly go to Gauchos de Sol at least once to check it out. Uh, I would be very surprised if it cracks my regular rotation just because, you know, I had a, I had a good meal at Shama Gaucha maybe a year and a half ago. Um, it didn't crack my regular rotation for the reason that churrascarias don't because I would rather have one kind of steak that's cooked exactly the way I want it than a bunch of different cuts of different kinds of steak that are cooked Maybe the way I want it. Maybe not quite the way I want it. Maybe not quite seasoned the way I want it. Um, the variety is not as appealing to me. Yeah, it'll be it. And I think there are some challenges with the space, as you said. Uh, you can't see it from the street, really. It, it is it, the actual space itself is 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 pretty neat, and you know it's elevated. You get some good views. Parking, to me, has right. got it's to all, be an issue. It's all it's all valet. However, yeah. they work that out. Yep. Yeah. So that's always a challenge. So. so, but certainly wish them the best. Yeah, absolutely. And and we'll have more to say about that. Uh, it's actually expected to open this month. So look for that. Uh, look for that coming soon. All right, Matt, that does it for the news of the week. We'll be right back with our restaurants of the week. Stick around. You're listening to What's Eric Eating? Love Houston? Join the club. 
Houston Insider is a completely free program built for Houstonians. Join me and thousands of others at exclusive events around the city when you take the 15-minute online course. Become a Houston Insider and get access to invitations to special events, sneak previews, giveaways, discounts, and more, plus weekly updates on what's happening in Houston. Learn more and take the course at visithoustontexas.com backslash insider. That's visithoustontexas.com backslash insider. Matt, for our Restaurants of the Week, I have three places I'd like to discuss with you. You and I went on a little mini taco crawl over the weekend that took us to Belly of the Beast, a new restaurant in spring, as well as Taco Mexican Kitchen, a restaurant in the Heights. So let's start with those. Belly of the Beast is a restaurant in Old Town Spring. It is led by a Thomas Bile, B-I-L-L-E. Sorry, Thomas, if I've mispronounced your last name. He is formerly the executive sous chef of Odium, a very famous restaurant in Los Angeles. Uh, Matt, I'm going to say we had a pretty fantastic lunch at Belly of the Beast. What about you? I'm going to say get in my belly. <laughs> yeah, this is a ambitious taco concept that covers a lot of different flavors. So we had like a fried fish taco, really expertly fried. We that had a was on point pork belly that got a Korean seasoning, like a house-made kimchi. Uh, we had uh, we had a yam taco, uh, roasted yam that was then mashed, served with a whole bunch of seasonings and a little bit of uh, fried kale for a little crunch, uh, all on house-made corn tortillas. Uh, I don't know. What would you say were, were a couple of your favorite bites from, from that meal? I, I enjoyed them all. I was very impressed. Yeah, I mean, we had a we even had a ceviche. We did. That was a massive portion. Um, you know, seventeen dollars is uh, not an unusual amount of money to pay for ceviche. I, I in fact paid a little bit more than that for uh, a similar dish at Alma uh, the night before, which I'll talk about probably next week. But I mean, the portion of the ceviche and just the just very simply, very simply seasoned, uh, very fresh seafood. I mean, this is this is not close to where either one of us live, uh, but this is a destination worthy taco restaurant in Old Town Spring, and uh, I, I will certainly go back there. I agree. Uh, you know, it, there was everything that we had. I thought was uh, thoughtful, well composed good balance, good textures, great flavors, and uh, was just really super happy. Yeah, I mean, you you are a taco snob. This is true. So for the tacos to make you, quote, very happy, that's really saying something. Yeah, I, I mean, congratulations. We got to talk to the chef for a little bit, and I just was I'm, I'm already, I'm ready to go back already, and we were just yeah. there. Yeah, I may need to have him on the pod just because I'm kind of curious about how he got from Odium to Old Town Spring. Right. It's an unlikely destination. Yeah, and it's got, I mean, you know, just the the whole experience got a, you know, the atmosphere kind of really fits with, I think, what they're trying to do. And you can see the growth potential there. They're, they had a little bit of outdoor seating and it's, uh, as we both know, it's it's close to corkscrew and yeah we should say it's it's a short walk to corkscrew barbecue uh which we availed ourselves of and got cobbler for dessert i i would say that the, the the only dish at belly of the beast that i wasn't excited about was that uh tres leches crepe cake i just thought it was kind of it had kind of a gummy texture that was unpleasant but yeah the the, the idea was was better than the execution and the the flavor was there it just I think tres leches. I just think that. Just yeah, just give me the cake. just give me the delicious gooey cake. Like, don't yeah. try to fancy it up. Um, but even if it even if it had been even if it had kind of lived up to its description, I I love the cobbler corkscrew so much. I still would have wanted to get cobbler corkscrew. 
I think that's right. I yeah. mean, we're professionals. Yeah, absolutely. All right, and then or, or semi professionals. Some sometimes more professional than others. All right, and then let us discuss Taco Mexican Kitchen. This is spelled T A Q O. It is right across from Savor at Yale and 14th Street. Uh, more traditional, right? We had uh, uh, just a kind of a you know a classic. Uh, Beef taco. We had uh, chicken that they gave the pastor seasoning to. Squash taco, and then uh, what was the what was the? It fourth? was a fi- grilled fish taco. Grilled fish, yeah. Which, um, was, which was really that the fish was actually really nice, nice flavor, nice grill. Yeah, I thought the the squash was really good, uh, well seasoned, not chewy, like good texture. You know, and I thought the quality of both the they make the both the corn and the flour tortillas. Uh, I thought they held up well. I thought they had good flavor. Um, this is this is more of a neighborhood spot. You know, Belly of the Beast is kind of a destination, but this is a and and I would say a strong addition to the neighborhood. No, I think that's right, and and it was uh, well patronized when we were there on Saturday. Yeah, they've got. I mean, the interior is looks nice. We sat outside on on the picnic tables. It was a bright, sunny day. It was yep. nice outside, and there were plenty of people uh, when we got there, and a lot more that showed up uh, after we finished. You know, I saw some people wearing uh, Dynamo gear on their way to the stadium. I saw some people who had come from the rodeo run. You know, just a, a beautiful Saturday afternoon, a nice day to to sit in the sun, eat a couple tacos, drink a beer, easy peasy. Yeah, you'll go back to Belly of the Beast. Yes. <laughs> I'd go back to both. Uh, and then just real briefly, uh, I think the last time you were on the show, we or two times before maybe, we discussed the uh, breakfast and lunch options at El Topo in West University Place. Uh, this weekend they added dinner service, which we both went to. Uh, two Matt, ships passing in the night, Daddy. Yeah, you were wrapping up as I was walking in. What did you think of your dinner at El Topo? Strong. Yeah, strong start. Strong start. Uh, I like that he has turned the barbacoa taco, which has always been a signature item for El Topo, into a shareable appetizer of, you know, braised beef cheek with pickled vegetables and a stack of corn tortillas. I had the, uh, the redfish, which is marinated and then pan-roasted. Uh, we also had uh, we had the kohlrabi, which is uh, cut like a Hasselbeck potato, which is kind of interesting. That was a pretty slick dish. That, that I would say that was definitely the table favorite. Had the uh, advantage of of dining with a group of six, so we were able to to work our way around the menu pretty well. Oh yeah, did you get the uh, the chicken fried pork ribs? We did. What'd you think? Uh, I, I like them. They they were a little difficult to eat, messy to eat. Yeah, it didn't. Uh, which, I mean, again, I'm a professional. It didn't bother me at all. Uh, but uh, I think you know that's that dish is still a little bit in concept. But I like the idea and the flavors quite a bit. Yeah, I was impressed by how much smoke he got into the ribs, even though they were fried. Fried. Agreed. Um. I'd say the only thing that really missed for me at El Topo was the, uh, we had the churro for dessert. Okay. It, it was a little bit under fried. Uh, ours was not. Ours was pretty solid. Red as a churro, although they were giving it, you know, little little El Topo touch. Did you, uh, did you notice the shape of yours by any chance? Uh, I did. Would you describe it as long and cylindrical? Uh, I would describe it, I, I believe, as closer to like a Guadalajara churro. Okay. Mine had a little bit of a, a phallic shape to it with a white sauce, that they, a namalaka that they spread on the plate. It's just, this uh, did not happen at our table. It's, a, it's, an, it's, a, it's an interesting visual. I, I, put it on, I put it on the Instagram story. I got some comments. Is there going to be a, a PG warning for that? I thought this was a family show. Yeah, I don't know what words I can and can't say that will air in the radio broadcast of this show because I want to say 
hashtag churro dick, but I think that's probably going to get bleeped. Uh, no comment. Yeah, I wouldn't expect you to. All right. Um, so the only thing I wanted to ask you about the dinner at El Topo is it is a step up in price, but also refinement from the more casual breakfast and lunch fare. Do you think that will fit with the neighborhood or do you think they should just like serve tacos and burgers and call it good at dinner? No, I think, uh, well, I, I would say first, I think they should do whatever they want to do. Um, but I think what they're doing is going to fit very well. We, uh, we were with some local Westview residents. I think they're very excited. Um, it's a, another really solid option and it's not just burgers and tacos. And I think that sort of elevated option that's right there in the neighborhood, um, yeah, had the opportunity. We went for Valentine's Day, which was a uh, kind of a special menu. It was also really, really well well done. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that they're and, and people were were coming in, poking their head in. You know, now that's open for dinner, and I think it's gonna. Yeah, backed by that uh, really kind of compelling, very affordable natural wine list. Absolutely, I think that kind of helps. I also availed myself of a strawberry basil uh, agua fresca that was very refreshing and delicious. They're carrying on some Japanese sodas, which I very much enjoyed. Yeah. The only thing that we Chewable ice, which is always a plus. (laughs) Yeah. The only thing we didn't get that I I looked over at the next table that they had that looked good was the... uh, the steak. I don't know if you if you had a chance to try that. No, the, that 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 dish was on uh, the Valentine's Day menu. It was very good, great flavor. Um, we did not order at this time. We did order the burger, uh, which was also a table favorite. That you know they're charging twenty bucks for that burger, so it's really got to bring it. It was it was it was I was fine with it. Those yucca fries were delicious. Uh, we. I think we ordered two burgers and split it up between the six of us. And it was, I was, I was very happy. All right. So Matt, thank you for being here. Yes, sir. I'll be right back with Yusef nothing. You're listening to what's Eric eating. I'm joined this week by Yusef Nafa, the CEO of Bella restaurants group. Before I introduce Chef Nafa, let me tell you that this segment is brought to you by Houston Insider by Visit Houston. Go to visithouston.com slash insider to learn more. Youssef, welcome to the show. How are you? Thanks for having me. Thanks for being here. I always like to start these interviews at the beginning of someone's career. So how did you decide that you wanted to be a professional chef? Hmm. Well, um... A long story is about 31 years ago, actually, when I came to the States, um, thinking that I'm going to do either engineer or be a doctor, you know, and it happened that my father passed away and I had to support my family. And the first quick job that I had, which is at that time, is bus tables in Chicago, um, Angelos. And uh, then I fell in love with the, with the restaurants. I ended up going and getting my culinary degree in Cordon Bleu in Chicago and one thing led to another. Um, worked there for a while. Opened, you know, uh, I was a chef for a while in Chicago, and until I came to Houston in '96. Yeah. All right. So you grew up in Morocco. Yes. What brought you to America? Well, the American dream. You know, it's uh, everybody wants to come here for different reasons. I mean, at that time was uh, I wanted to come to the states. All my family are in in France, in Paris, and I just wanted to be. Yes, I love them, but I wanted to be away from them a little bit. <laughs> so I came to the states, and uh, you know, uh, I love it. I've been here now for thirty one years. I have three boys, great family, um, a lovely wife, and you know, happy with my business. And yeah. All right, so what what prompted you to leave Chicago and come to Houston? 
Well, I came here as a consultant. First of all, I, I, I wish I knew any sooner uh, just to get away from the cold. Um, you know, somebody from Mediterranean and then, you know, being on that, you know, blizzards in Chicago. And, and once you leave, that's when you realize, why did I wait so long? Why didn't I just leave a long time ago? Um, so I came here as a consultant um, for a company at that time. And I fell in love with the city and, you know, I ended up staying and opening my own business here. So did you go straight from consulting to opening your first restaurant? Well, I uh, look, the story is that the, the company that I was working for, I made a deal with them at that time um, to take over some of uh, the struggling restaurants at that time. Um, believe it or not, I at that time I have owned restaurants all the way to New Orleans. So I've had one in New Orleans, Lake Charles, Lafayette, Louisiana. Don't ask me why and how, but it did happen. Um, you know, here in Houston. So I had like seven diners at that time. That's where I started with these diners. Um, and uh, But it was a good bridge. It was a good bridge to get me to where I need to. And um, But the whole time when I had those restaurants with them, I was looking for the kind of place that fits me or the kind of cuisine that fits me. And at that time, I remember going to Rice Village. I'm like, oh, my God, this is the only area in the city that has sidewalks. I come from Chicago where, you know what, you know, window shopping and restaurants everywhere. You, you have an appetizer here and a drink there, but you come here and you want a gallon of milk, you better drive to get it. So Rice Village was the, you know, the, the place that kind of made sense. And at that time, it was Bachi, the Italian restaurant Bachi. It just closed down. And I fell in love with the space. I called a landlord. I Believe me, um, poor I was, yes, and I... You know, collected all my pennies to open up Miluna in Rice Village at that time. Um, and uh, it was a success. Um, and I sold it actually in 2004 uh, for personal reasons. And um, yeah, that's how I started. Yeah, I, you, you almost can't emphasize like how different the walking culture in Houston versus Chicago is. It's like, we don't just drive to get a gallon of milk. Like if, if the parking lot's really big, we drive from one of the parking lot to the other so you don't have to walk. Absolutely. It's really hot here. That's my that's my defense for our sort of civic laziness and Lord knows I'm as guilty of it as anyone. All right, so you had you had Miluna in Rice Village. Yes. Uh when did you when did you open? So what was what came after that? What was your next restaurant? Well, when I opened Miluna, it was a success. And you know how it is. You know, uh, small business people, you always become a little insecure. You always think, oh, my God, if something happens to this one, what's next? You know, I, you always look for some kind of a security. But again, I was young and ambitious. And I'm like, okay, I need to do something else. And so, again, where's the, area, the other area that has sidewalks? So, I look, I go downtown. And I'm like, okay, so I go downtown at that time, you know, it's, it was pretty bad. You know, there's not many places there. So I venture out and I opened in 99, I opened Mia Bella, um, which I was the only one in the area. I picked this old building. Right. This is the original location on Main Street. On Main Street, yes. That was a long time ago. So I, I opened it and, you know, I mean, again, you know, as a chef and, you know, and no fear. You just you just do it, and and you hope for the best. Because what's the worst that could happen? Nothing. Well, you experienced the worst that could happen, right? Because you did. were there for the light rail construction oh, and but, and the disruption. I mean, I, you know, I remember, you know, it was a nightlife district. I mean, there were all these clubs and bars. Yes, they all kind of flourished. They all had their moment around the time of the first time Houston hosted the Super Bowl. <laughs> And yes. then they all like went away as fast as they opened. Oh, absolutely. When I opened in 99, I mean, we were on the waiting list seven days a week for months, lunch and dinner. So it was, it was incredible. And within no time, like 45 businesses opened within three, four blocks from me. Like all, so all of a sudden it became very, you know, it started happening. And I thought it was a wonderful thing because, again, business, we feed off each other. You don't want to be alone somewhere. Right. This is the rising tide. With yeah. The boats kind of. And yeah. then the beautiful train came, you know, and, uh, you know, all I can tell you, 
is I not even told the mayor at that time when when he came the first. I'm like, you know what? I think I should ride it first because I feel like I own one of these wagons here. I, I, you know, all my impl- my business went down by seventy five percent. Well, first they said it was going to take what three to six months to finish in front of us. It took three to five years. So all those business closed down. Um, I mean, it was pretty sad. So at that time, thank God I had me Luna. So I was feeding, I was robbing Peter to feed Paul. So I kept, you know, Miabella open at that time because, but it was hell. I mean, I had customers walking into my, my space, walking on two by sixes, literally. And one woman I remember, it was Saturday night, I swear, she fell in the mud with her fur coat. And I would never forget that. There's nothing I could do ever to fix that. But it, it happened. So that's how bad it was. And you know what? But I wouldn't give up on downtown. I love downtown. And so I think I loved it. I loved it too much. I wish I had somebody at that time to slap me in the face and say, you know what? <laughs> hey, enough of downtown. Go somewhere else. But, you know, I felt like I needed to do more. So I did more downtown. But Right. There's, a, there's another... There's another Miabella downtown right next to the house. Yeah, w- yeah, we have another Miabella downtown. At that time, I, I, I've had Cava Bistro. If you remember Cava Bistro in the corner of Main Street, I've, I've opened Cielo, the Mexican restaurant, also on that on that block, um, and all of it, thinking of course the 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 Super Bowl is coming. It's going to be amazing. So the city helps with you know in so many ways. But right after the Super Bowl, things tank again. Like. You know, people just left. So all the crowd that kind of we kind of built uh, downtown for a while, they moved away because they have a lot of bitter taste, of course, with the construction and closures and you name it. Yeah, it's it's changed so much just since maybe 2012, 2013. Right. There's a thriving kind of nightlife district right where you used to be. Yes. um, Supported by a whole bunch of new residential construction that just yes. flat out didn't exist. It didn't. When you were there. Yeah, it didn't. And believe it, even now when I go there, even though nothing's wrong, believe me, I get stomachache just driving downtown just from all the bad memories from the construction downtown. So, again, I'm from Chicago. I I love the, the downtown life. I, you know, I hope it gets better. It is in some ways getting better, but still slowly. You know, it's not there yet. Yeah, it's a tricky proposition. It's very, in in just my personal observation, it seems like it's very busy, like Friday and Saturday nights, and then it's pretty quiet Yes, Monday through Thursday. So. Yes, yeah, yeah, it did. And, you know, we, we had a lot of help from the, the theater district. We used to get a lot of business from the theater district. And, you know, I mean, lunches are great, of course. Uh, but when you raise, everybody stays in a tunnel. So there is a lot of, you know, uh, things that you have to worry about. When you're downtown, it's not an easy business to run. You have to kind of play it by ear, by the weather. And um, But again, you know, when you're in the business, you take the good and the bad and, and make it work. All right. And let's, let's dive into Miluna just a little bit because a lot of Italian restaurants in the city, um, I would say you don't really play by... The traditional, you know, like if, if Italian cuisine is sort of defined by like three ingredients, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't really play by those rules. Well, I, you know, the, the cuisine has changed throughout. I mean, even when you go to Italy, yes, of course, you can always get your your pasta pomodoro and your basic things, of course, and your lasagna and your pizza. But again, you know, the way I thought of Miabella, you know, if I can still offer them, you know, the fresh pasta that we make in-house, you know, the stuffed raviolis, for example, and the stuffed torlonis. But, uh, you know, we don't just stuff them with regular cheese, for example. We might stuff the torloni with smoked duck. Um, and our meatballs, instead of just giving you the regular meatballs, we stuff them with goat cheese and sun-dried tomatoes. Um, our lasagna, instead of just giving you a beef lasagna, but we do seafood lasagna with shrimp and salmon and scallops. So, again, you know... Y- if you can play with the food and keep it authentic, we still use all Italian ingredients and we stay within the, in the frame of Italian, but we give a little twist, you know, and we all need that little twist in our life, you know, just just little flavor, you know, um, and you can have meatballs anywhere. 
you know. I mean, right. but I come to my place, I need to give you something a little bit different. Our chicken parmesan, for example, it is crusted with Romano and it's stuffed with roasted vegetables and fresh mozzarella. You know, I can just give you a simple chicken breast and bread and then fried and that will be it. But why can't I take it a little bit further and still give you the same flavor profile with the same Italian ingredients and something different? Right. And people really like it. I mean, you, have, you have three of those. Yeah. And we've been around for over 20 years. And I, you know, I feel like we're part of Houston and Houston is part of us. And, uh, and that's, uh, that's important. All right. So when did you add Coco's crepes to your roster? Mm. Well, you know, uh, crepes, every Saturday, well, it happened, let me let's take it back. Uh, it happened when I, uh, the international festival, it was France at one time, I don't know if you remember, it was France, and they asked me at that time, I had a restaurant called Papillon um, in the corner, uh, you know, across the theater district, and so they asked me to do crepes um, and do something French, of course, at the international festival. So I did, and I did three kiosks in a, a national festival. I was making my own Nutella by the gallons because, of course, it was crazy buying it at that time. And, uh, and I had three kiosks, and we had a line of 100, 150 in each kiosk. So when the National Festival was done, I had all this equipment left. What am I going to do? I kept making crepes for my kids at home. So I'm like, okay, Midtown. I found this little place in Midtown, and I'm like, okay, this will be a perfect little crepery. So I opened Coco's in Midtown and West Gray. Um, that's like 15, 16 years ago now. Right. I mean, this is kind of before, like, Ibiza was in Midtown, but, you know, it's this still, is this is like pre-Reef, pre- Pre-everything. Yeah. Midtown, it was like, you were known, it was known for Ibiza and Mize, and that, yeah. that's probably, and Damien's. Well, even, probably, I, yeah. even Ibiza opened later, I think, after that. Ibiza, you're roughly contemporary. I think they were around yeah. for about 20 years, so. Oh, okay. You're You're in the same kind of general ballpark. Yeah, so um, so we opened there, and uh, you know we served crepes for quite some time, and then people kept asking for crepes in different areas, and we said, okay, well, why not? Let's open a few of them, and now we have uh, about ten locations around the city. Uh, actually, the tenth one is opening in Cyprus oh, uh, next month. Yes. So how would you how would you kind of describe your crepe style? Or well, um, and again. You know, it is, they are French crepes, absolutely. But I'm giving them that little, you know, uh, it's not your basic, uh, just a Nutella crepe. You can have our crepes filled with, you know, chocolate mousse, if you would like, and raspberries. Or you can have it filled with chicken and spinach and cheese. Um, so we've taken our crepes a, a little bit further. Uh, you, you can have it uh, as a, a almost like a cinnamon kind of crepe, if you would like. Uh, but also you can fill it up with ham and cheese. Um, but more importantly, I wanted when I opened Coco's, I wanted it to be a place where just like when I when I had my little kids, you go somewhere and you're like, okay, there's something for the kids to eat, but there's nothing for the adults. Or you take them somewhere, there's something for the adults and there's nothing for the kids. I'm like, what can I do with Cocos to make it a little place for everyone? Of course, you cannot be everything for everyone, but I want to at least offer the basics. So we have an amazing coffee roasted in, in, in the city. We, have, we make our own gelato in the house. Uh, we have paninis, we have a couple of soups, some salads, but of course the crepes that are, we have sweet and savory. So we kind of give you, and, and if you don't want any of those, we have beautiful smoothies that are made with fresh fruit, so you can have a smoothie as well. So again, we try to cover the basics without having a big menu, but just having enough things to please, you know, of course the kids and the adults as well. All right, and I guess that brings us to... Zoa Moroccan Kitchen. Yes. Well, yeah, being, being Moroccan, you know, I, I've had a restaurant at one time, uh, Saffron, if you remember, uh, Moroccan. Mm -hmm. and, and over the years, I've been thinking, okay, well, there's no Moroccan restaurants in the city. I'm Moroccan. I'm a chef. I've been in the restaurant business. Um, but I always go back to my personal feelings as when I was walking the streets of Morocco and, and I get hungry and I stop in the corner guy and, you know, and, and, and have uh, a sandwich with, you know, red eyes. It could be potato cakes or, you know, with some harissa and, 
and I'm done, and that's wonderful. I have a sandwich with chicken and some, you know, roasted veggies, and that's an amazing sandwich as well. So then I said, you know what? I think I have to work on creating something that is street food but very authentic Moroccan uh, for Houston, of course. Yeah, I'm, I, I'm sort of fascinated by that because you've you've, you know, you have an Italian restaurant that's not very traditional. You know, definitely has your your culinary perspective. You have a crepe restaurant that sort of plays some traditional and some not traditional. Uh, but so for the Moroccan restaurant, you you're, you're keeping it you're keeping it pretty classic. I'm keeping it very authentic. I you know just because I I believe what well, the concept in order for you to serve street food, um, you have to keep and and call it Moroccan. Uh, you have to keep some uh, authenticity. Uh, to the concept, but with Miabel, I always promoted, you know, uh, we call it Italian with a twist. We always said little twist in, in things. So we we kind of uh, we tell them exactly where it is. I I like being transparent in my cuisine and my concept and tell people exactly where it is. But the freshness, the quality, and transparency is there always. All right. So what is it about Zoa that makes it authentic? Like what are the what are the elements when people when people go there for the first time, like what, like what can they experience that that makes them know that it's authentic? Well, one thing the bread. I've been my office is so sick of the bread. I've been feeding them that bread for two years now, just making sure that I do it right. And every time I call mom, I say, "Look, mom, am I doing it right here?" Um, so, and, and actually, Brian is here. He can he can testify to that because so making the bread very authentic uh, and and then. You know, just like I used to do before I go to the beach. You know, I open the fridge and take a piece of bread and, and fill up with what mom had left over, whether it's roasted eggplant or some chicken. And, you know, and believe me, those sandwiches are incredible. You give me a good sandwich today of anything and give me a choice between an amazing sandwich and a steak somewhere, believe me, I'll pick a sandwich any day. Well, and we don't, you know, I we've talked about this, I, or I've talked about this on the show before. Houston is just not a city that has like, a lot of really ambitious sandwich restaurants, right? They're all pretty traditional. They open well. That's the thing. I I, I feel like if you're gonna eat something, at least make sure it's not boring in your mouth. I mean, if it doesn't, the way I see it, if you get if you bite the first bite, you better be looking forward to second bite. Otherwise, that sandwich is not worth you eating it. Um, and and if you're gonna eat sandwiches, I mean, my God. You know, most people can make amazing sandwiches at home. And then when you go somewhere, try to eat a sandwich, I'm like, oh, my God, why can't they do it the same way I do at home? And and I'm just I'm taking this concept in a very simple way. As long as I serve very authentic products from the rotisserie chicken, the lamb, the, you know, the potato cakes, of course, that are like a poor man's food, of course, there. Um and uh, and and putting that stuff in a sandwich that you can add, you know, some confit onions in there, some roasted peppers in there, and or some eggplant dip. Um, and once you put those ingredients together with some creamy harissa, I mean, it's a sandwich to go back for. At least, I believe you will go back for. Yeah, and so you also you also have the dishes available as bowls. Absolutely. So if somebody does not want a sandwich, they can have a bowl, either with saffron rice, jasmine rice, or you can have it with couscous. So at le- Or you can have baby greens. So you have the option to keep it very healthy. And, and one thing, I, we, we kept the prices very low, very reasonable. So you can have a, you know, a, a vegetarian sandwich or a bowl for seven bucks. And believe me, it's filling. Um, or the amazing breakfast sandwich for four bucks. Um, and it's, you know, with roasted eggs and, and harissa and aioli and greens um, inside that, you know, I call it Fatima bread, which is mom's name. Uh, at least I, I cannot claim it's mine. So it's, um, and inside that and with some cheese, and it's a wonderful, wonderful meal. Um, but more than anything, Beside those amazing sandwiches and bowls, we have an amazing pastry chef. So we have some amazing pastries that we serve also in-house um, that are baked, of course, daily. So when you come in there, not only you can have some great coffees, not only you can have some great sandwiches or bowls, but you have an experience in a very small place, of course. Yeah, I mean, it's 
what, like probably five, six hundred square feet. Five, six hundred square feet. We built a little patio, so you have some some seats outside. And actually, we add in a little room next door, which is uh, that's gonna sit maybe about you know another twenty people. So it's cozy. The idea from it is just like when you go to New York, you, you know, these little places. You stop, you eat your sandwich standing up, or your pizza by the slice. Believe me, you don't complain. You don't even ask for a restroom. You just eat it and keep on walking. Right. You it's it's I mean, the focus is kind of on a, a quick lunch, you know, yeah. that it's it's all it's kind of, you know, Chipotle style. Right. So people can pick what they want in terms of what they want in their sandwich or on their bowl. They get it quickly and then they eat it five, ten minutes and then they're they're moving on to the next. Absolutely. Stop. And at least you eat something that is delicious for a reasonable price. And I want it where you taste it. You say, you know, I am coming back to this place. Um, and that's the idea. Yes, yes. I did get the opportunity uh, to to try it uh, last week. You invited me in. It was very kind of you. You, you tasted me through My uh, all the different proteins. Uh, yeah, no, I, I was very pleased with it. And, and I do think, you know, there's uh, it's always an interesting mix of dining options where you are, which is just right off of Washington Avenue. And uh, I do think, you know, there's always room for high quality, fast, casual, very affordable. Like you said, I mean, you know, I don't think, you know, I think lunch for most people will come in right around 10 bucks yes. with a sandwich and a drink. So yes. I think, you know, I, I definitely think you're onto something. Wonderful. Well, I mean, that's the, the idea is to make sure that we offer delicious food. And that's the, that's the point is, and also I want to at least something from back home. I want the people here that never been, you know, to Morocco. You know, people always think Mediterranean is hummus and, and baba ganoush. Well, there's a lot more to it. When you go to Morocco, I mean, you know, believe me, in every dining room table, you, you might have a center plate, but then you'll have eight or ten small little dishes around it. And actually, the best part is those small little dishes, you know. Right. Well, the Mediterranean is so reductive. I mean, there's a huge difference between... Italian, Greek, Lebanese, Egyptian, Moroccan. I mean, they there's, you know, obviously there's overlapping ingredients and in a is. similar climate, but but the flavors are different, the techniques are different. You know, yeah. you don't want to you don't want to reduce. You know, that's that's too big an area to just reduce it and say it's Mediterranean. Yes, no, absolutely. And 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 the thing is, and even the Mediterranean people, anybody from there, one point or another, if if it's not a hundred years ago, it's. Uh, 500 years ago, we all crossed each other's borders and we lived in each other's That's right. Lands. You've all conquered each we other. We all conquered each other. And I mean, when people wonder what's, you know, you go to uh, the south of Spain, Andalusia. I mean, well, Morocco was there for 750 years. So we share everything from the spices and you name it. And then Spain went, went ahead and conquered the Latin world and took all those cumin and the cilantro and the paprika and the saffron and so we all have a lot in common, but we're all unique on our own, of course, yes. All right, so you've, uh, you've created this concept. Obviously, you're experienced with multi-unit. Uh, do you have a vision for how you would like to see ZOA grow? Well, I would love to have ZOA. I don't, I don't want people to just think of it as, okay, it is ZOA Moroccan, but it is a little place where I can just go and have some delicious food that is all natural, um, there's halal, of course, as well at the same time, and and you know, and have it in different areas around the city because it's just simple, tasty, delicious food at a reasonable price. And yes, it is Mediterranean. Yes, it is Moroccan. Uh, but the goal is actually yes to to open a few of those around the city. Absolutely. Right. Well, that that brings me to the end of my questions. Was there some other aspect of of Bella Restaurant Group that you would like to discuss? Well, no. Um, you know, we we kind of uh, built uh, a commerce actually that you want to um, that we make some of the products for our restaurants, like you know our fresh pastas, our pastries. So we try to keep everything in house and uh, controlling the quality and keeping everything natural um, and. If, if my company or our company have been around for over 20 years, uh, like I said, we're part of Houston, and Houston is part of us. Um, and uh, we appreciate, you know, the support of Houstonians. I mean, I still meet customers from over 20 years ago, and, you know, we try to look at each other. I'm like, oh, my God, yeah, you didn't change much. No, yes, we did change much after 20 years. But, 
you know, it's it, it's a good feeling to know that Houston has been an amazing city for business and um, and actually has changed tremendously from, you know, 25 years ago to today in terms of uh, all the restaurants that are out there. It's wonderful choices, and it's nice to have all these choices for the consumer today. You know, that today they might have Moroccan, but who knows, tomorrow it might be Thai, uh, or it could be a steakhouse, whatever, but they have choices. And finally, we can say to compete with, you know, the big cities like Chicago and New York, because I think we have a lot to offer. Um, just we don't market ourselves enough as a city in terms of being a foodie city, uh, but we're, we're, we're yeah. I think we I think we get a little better every year. I think we're we're kind of breaking through for people. But I I do think, you know, if you're a if you're kind of a national foodie and you're kind of paying and you're paying attention, like maybe you know that Houston's a great city to eat in. But if you're, you know, less less aware, sort of less vigilant about yeah. that, like. Maybe maybe you still think we're all steaks and barbecue, and that, well, yeah, that's the thing, which is which is so natural right now. I mean, all these authentic cuisines around the city, and 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 the food is changing. It is just thinking that I'm going Moroccan fast casual fast food, but there's so many other concepts out there now that you know authentic food is in demand, and people are looking for tasty food. They're not looking for boring stuff anymore. No, and they care about how it's made and yes. and what the ingredients are, and and that. I mean, that more than anything is probably the biggest change that you've seen in in 25 years of oh, being in Houston. Absolutely. Well, actually, my son told me that then I didn't even realize. He said 20 years ago it was all about organic. And then about 10, 15 years ago, yes, it was organic plus local. Now it's about transparent. You know, people want to know what they're eating. Yes, organic local, they assume is going to be that or at least within that level. But they want to know what they're eating. They want to know that there's nothing hidden. They want to be able to see it, read it, know it. And and you need to be truthful about what you offer your consumer today. And I think that's... Uh, and, and there's no stupid consumer anymore. Everybody is aware. There's nothing you can tell them you know, that they might not know. Within a split second, it's in their phone. They have the answer. And, and all of a sudden, you will look like uh, you know, uh, somebody who doesn't know what he's doing. Right, and and this new concept is probably you probably paid more attention to gluten free, vegetarian, vegan we than have. you ever have before. Absolutely, and all those sides, all those sides, all of them are vegan, all of them are vegetarian, all natural. So you can come in and actually have something totally vegan, um, vegetarian. Um, the choices are there. So, and again, you know, as as I get older myself, you know, the stomach becomes a lot more sensitive than when I was in my twenties. Um, so you wonder, whatever hurts me is going to hurt somebody else. So giving the people the options to make sure that, you know, the food, not just transparent, but actually it's fresh, it's natural, and somebody's going to enjoy it and go home and not have to say, oh, my God, that just hurt my stomach kind of thing. I think about that. So I want my customers to say, oh, my God, that was delicious. I can't wait to come back. Well, and especially at your price point, I mean, you're, you're essentially going head-to-head with fast food. And I would think a, a well-made sandwich or a, a bowl that, you know, is the same price as a combo meal. I mean, I, I would think that's going to be very appealing to people. Yes. Well, I just hope, I, honestly, I don't know how, but I just hope that people don't even think of us as fast food. Um, it is just simply delicious, fresh food made by chefs, but served in a very fast, uh, casual way. And, you know, fast food, you know, I'm sure there's plenty of fast food places out there. But I want to be thought of as a place with healthy, good food served to you very fast. And that's that's the goal. All right. Well, I always always wrap these interviews up with something I call the lightning round. Uh, five easy questions, five short answers. Just say the first thing that comes to mind. Yusuf Nafa, what is your favorite ingredient? Olive oil. What is the first band you ever saw in concert? Oh, my God. Um... That was a Spanish one. What was it called? It's it's from Spain. Um, when I was opening Miluna, I was looking for the music, and I went to uh, the Gypsy King. Oh, my God. very good. Yeah. yeah. Um, what is your, who is your favorite Houston sports figure, past or present? Sports figure? Yes. Do you have an, an athlete? You have a, is there like, is, I don't know, there like a Houston Texan that's secretly a Miluna regular? 
uh, or well, a uh, or a uh, well, we uh, Hakim Olajuwon. I I enjoyed very much playing basketball. Okay. Um, what is your fast food guilty pleasure? It has to come from a restaurant with a drive-through. Oh my God, I I would hate saying it, but it is a Chick Fil A sandwich. <laughs> it's that's a very popular answer to that question. <laughs> yes. And then uh, finally, when you go to a pizzeria for the first time, what are your default toppings? Oh my God, um, uh, mush, uh, of course, wild mushrooms, truffle oil, uh, mozzarella, fresh mozzarella, um, fresh tomatoes, and olive oil or truffle oil. That's usually my simple. Pizzas. All right. And it has to be Napolitana, you know, that kind of thing. All right. Give us the website for Bella Restaurant Group or Zoa Moroccan Kitchen or, or whichever one you yeah. want to give a shout out. It is Zoa Moroccan Kitchen uh, com and Bella Restaurants com um, and Coco's Crepes uh, com, of course. Wonderful. Thank you for being here. Well, thank you for having me. All right. You thank can, you. You can follow me on Instagram at Eric Sandler. Keep it locked on culturemap.com for all the latest Houston bar and restaurant news. Thanks so much for listening. I'll be back next week.